Hello, welcome to another episode of Talking Shot, the photography podcast. I am Ross Grieve. I'm Matt Jacobs. And this week we have a fantastic wedding guest. He's uh, been named as one of the top six professional photographers in the world by a professional photographer's magazine. He's based in the UK, based in London. He's an absolutely gentleman of a man. Welcome, Sanjay Jogam. Welcome. Thank you very much. You, intru- you, introduced him, you introduced him as a wedding guest, not a wedding photographer. Oh, well, Prof- you know. Professional wedding guest. I what never day? get to be a wedding guest. <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> so how are you finding it, Sanjay, with um, ev- all, everything's locked down? And as a wedding photographer, it's, you know, the worst thing that can really happen, isn't it, obviously? I kind of feel like I'm busier than ever at the moment. It's really strange. There's, there's, there's so much going on. It, I think people think that because we're not shooting weddings, we've got nothing else to do. Because it's only a set day job, isn't it? Apparently, I must be doing something wrong because it's a seven. It's a seven day a week, twenty four seven. It's twenty four hour day job. It really is. It's crazy. Yeah, I, you know, we've we've still got some editing and things like that to do. We're sort of wrapping up last year's jobs as much as possible, but then clients send us their selections and things like that for albums. So there's a constant trickle of work to do. I, I, I think I'm going to run out of time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this lockdown needs to extend a little bit more for other things. Because <laughs> my, my to-do list, you know, we all have these to-do lists, right? I really want to get through that lot before, you know, before everything opens up again, because if I can't get it done now, I don't think I'm ever going to get it done. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But you find, like you say, your educational content, you've been doing a lot of webinars and a lot of online stuff at the moment as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I love it. I enjoy it. I love, I love teaching. I love helping. I love, you know, photographers. Um, I, I love seeing them develop and go through that eureka moment. That's a really mm. important thing. I get a real buzz from that. The, you know, I speak at seminars. I'll speak at um, conventions, SWPP, WPPI, TPS, that sort of thing. Thankfully, we've made SWPP and WPPI this year, and TPS got cancelled. It's a real shame. Hmm. Uh, and I, I should have been at Photokina as well. We're now having to adapt to our new reality. Uh, and the fact is that this reality is a long-term reality. I don't think yeah. it's going to change back to how how we know reality. This this is a, it's a permanent shift. It's a really good chance for us to all perform the adaptations that we've been wanting to do for a long time, but now make it a little bit more permanent. And also adapt to the new demands that are going to be placed on us after yeah. this, actually, because that's what's going to happen. You know, I truly believe that. I, th- I don't think certain things will go back. For example, you know, we're doing this thing over Zoom and people's m- modes of communication and efficiency in communicating and exchanging ideas and data and work and so on and so on. It's all, there's going to be a lot carried over from this way of living now. Yeah. When um, lockdown ends, you know, we, we our, I think our resilience our ingenuity, our creativity, and our ability to adapt is being tested now. And uh, I think how we come out the other side of this is really going to be telling about, um, about it is, it is as individuals and, and as businesses as well. Yeah. I think, and also, yeah, you could say, like, it's, it's going to push a lot of businesses, a lot of people to the wall. Yeah. And But I think also there's going to be a lot of good come out of it, you know, the, the attitudes towards other people. Which which is nice, which is nice. That's it, which is nice. But I mean, it's it's something no one could predict. Yeah, it makes you just yeah. analyze how you do stuff in your business and change it for the good. It makes you sort of cut back those things that you don't really need as well. Because yeah, you if just, you make the effort to do it, though, that's the thing. Yeah. And it's an interesting time. Uh, you know, I was I was on a um, I was on a live webcast, global webcast last week, and 
we were it was really a conversation from different points of views from different countries based on the the context of the geographic location one of the things that was raised from that as as a as a subject as a topic it's more of a revelation actually because everyone was talking about all the things that they've been doing and they want to do and stuff they've got to do and you know the, the pressure that they feel under i think it's very important not to feel guilty about wanting to take some time off mm-hmm. uh having some time for yourself just to reset and recalibrate because more than anything actually take the time to recalibrate to our new reality and to the, the new issues we're going to have to face a new way of working people are going to have to recalibrate to actually be nice to each other now uh, i think people need to be more caring especially now I, I think they need to be more caring generally anyway particularly in our industry but i think particularly now as well mm. it's important to take the time to you know, fix yourself first you know your, yeah. your your mentality your attitudes your your psychology whatever issues you're dealing with whether it's uh, health and fitness or you just you want to clear the clutter the mental clutter and the noise clear the brain fog get stuff done around the house you know fix paint the i quite room like that i quite like that fix yourself yeah, yeah i really like that i think it's really important to do that first because if you're happy with yourself then you're able to move on and focus very clearly when i say clearly we mean with a clear mind on the other things that you need to do because otherwise you'll always have something hanging over your head and, and if it's if you haven't fixed yourself you're carrying it around with you mm. i think you so should it, give up the photography sanjay and move into like mental health this is fantastic <laughs> Carry on, yeah. psychology <laughs> yeah it's not a bad idea actually is it? <laughs> but the thing is that my, my wife roshni and i we do everything kind of by feel and we, we deal with the things that feel right first at the time you know the things that are just dealing with the appropriate issues but the problem mm. is when you do that priorities take over each other and you end up with certain things being pushed aside yeah yeah and swept under the rug not not deliberately but just inadvertently but if you have a positive mind but if you have a positive mind you're very you know i in fact we only met this year really didn't we um, in january you have a very positive mind and i think if if a person has a positive mind it's easy to develop that positive energy and and fix yourself when you get to and you recognize when that positivity is easing off so it's a lot that's a lot better and being around so positive people wrong, as well. I have days where I, I you know, I, I feel down. I think yesterday was one of those. I didn't feel down as such, but I just felt off kilter. And my wife said to me, you're not yourself today. You know, you, you seem, you seem grumpy. My grumpy isn't really grumpy. I'm just not as positive as usual, you know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I think it was probably because oddly enough, I didn't get the stuff done that I hoped to get done yesterday it's frustrating it's really frustrating and then i had to take a breath and i thought you know what let me just go and have a workout go into the garden and just do a full workout and for one reason or another i didn't even get around to doing that which frustrated me even more so i just had to sit down take a deep breath and i thought you know what screw this i'm gonna go get a beer and just chill i actually felt a lot better after that Mm. not because of the beer but because i i I allowed myself a pass yeah i said tomorrow i'm gonna pick it up i'm gonna start a little bit earlier because i'm sure with everybody here you know, the body clocks and their timelines, their, day, their kind of daily structure has kind of been slipping a little bit too. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it has an effect. You know, you know, and yesterday I kind of felt like it was one of those days where I was just not synchronized with myself. And we're all going to get days like that, absolutely. You just can't beat yourself up too much about it. Um, Scott Johnson's very good on that. He was saying he'll either get up and he'll do 9 to 3 or 10 to 4, and he'll yeah. finish bang on 4 or 3 o'clock, and, yeah. and that'll be it. That's really good. You know, that's really good. And I, and I think we don't have kids yet, but, you know, I think people with kids are kind of forced to start a little bit early anyway. 
and it helps to kind of give them that structure because they, you know, the kids will be up, they have to get up and take care of the kids, feed them, do all that kind of stuff. And then they're already up so they can go and do these things. But, you know, for my, for my wife and I, we don't have kids. So we end up allowing ourselves to end up working a bit later. That means that the day kind of slips a little bit as you go along. We're sort of trying to fight that. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what a good pattern is for me. Is it to wake up and have my workout first thing in the morning? Yeah. Or is it to do it later in the day and just tie myself out? I usually find that actually, just depending on what's been happening on the day, if I train at the end of the day, I'm still really psyched up. Really, I should be exhausted, but I'm still really mentally charged. Because you and get that I, adrenaline pump, don't you? Yeah, I know. It's it's not even that. I mean, I train so hard, I, I work all that off. But th- there's only really one thing that kind of, well, two things, I suppose, that keep me up. One is having had too much sleep and I can't sleep the next day. Or just if my mind is racing. If my mind's racing, I can't can't rest you know you you get days like that and usually if, it's, if i'm full of ideas or just i'm charged or excited because of something or nervous because of something you know i've got a big wedding the next day even though i'm exhausted if i have a big wedding the next day i really struggle to fall asleep and it's it's kind of pre-wedding nerves um mm. i still get that that's and a good thing though that's, that's a good thing, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I i'm really worried if i don't get the pre-wedding nerves actually Okay, so um, yeah, we were talking about, um, which is a little technical issue there, but uh, we were talking about uh, getting butterflies in the stomach, the nerves before actually shooting a wedding. And how many years have you been shooting weddings for now? Oh, God, over 10, 12 maybe. 12. I just want to reel it back before we go back to the butterflies, but I want to reel it back a bit further because you, not many people know, you're actually a qualified uh, architect. Yes. So you're very um, methodical. Well, I'm a geek, but also... <laughs> A romantic, because that's what architects are. We're, we're geeks and romantics. We have that real, we have that appreciation of the balance between creativity and technicality, because that's what buildings are. You know, you, you have to, they have to be technical. Otherwise, they won't stand up, but they still need to be beautiful. Yeah. They're not always beautiful, but, you know, we, we, the aim is to make them beautiful because they're a landmark that's going to be there for a lifetime. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, the, these things are there to shape societies and the way people live and move and act and behave and, you know, live, work and die. You know, we, we've always had to find a way of intertwining that element of it. And photography is the same thing. You know, photography is, you know, I always say to my clients, because my clients ask me, they, they always say, well, how did you go from architecture to photography? And the thing is, I just yeah. grew up as a photographer, not as an architect. I trained as an architect. Mm. They both resonated with me because I always, maybe I um, just, just have that sort of mindset, I guess. But, you know, photography is about light and space and surface and aesthetics and composition and technicality and, and beauty and meaning. It's just a different medium. Yeah, and I because I would and well it's yeah exactly a different medium because as an architect you're understanding light how light falls you, you know when light comes into a building you've got to appreciate that you've got the aesthetics to make that uh, building beautiful but what I find incredibly interesting you know you said you were a photographer before you trained as an architect yeah. is that you didn't go into architectural photography you decided right I want to go into weddings and that's a complete jump away from um, the architectural side well I when I was practicing as an architect. I used to photograph the buildings that we designed and built. So I used to do the architectural photography, not, not for myself. I used to do it for practical purposes. Yeah. Uh, and I did it because I was the only one in the office that could take half decent photos. And, you know, I, had, I was the only one with touch shift lenses and I, I knew what I was doing. You know, that, that really helped. But I, as much as I loved photographing buildings and, you know, I, I used to be able to get onto cherry pickers and stuff like that because I was working with a developer and all that sort of thing. The, the thing with photographing buildings is this. I see all the flaws in buildings. Being an architect, mm. 
it's particularly in the, the floors in the buildings that we've designed. But when I call, when I say floors, I don't mean defects. I mean things that should have been that weren't because of value engineering and the client and the, the developer wanting to streamline costs. So they've cut things here and there. And it you know ends up not being the beautiful design that we designed as a concept to begin with, but ends up becoming a, a kind of a stripped down light version of, you know, a short, a shadow of what it should have been basically. And it's always slightly depressing. Even if it's other other buildings that I haven't designed, I can, you can see it. An architect can see it with people, even though it, that there are flaws. They're mm. organic, natural flaws. It's what it's called personality. Yeah. Right. And and that's what I love photographing. So the emotion and the personality. And you just don't know what the hell's going to happen in front of you. That's that's the other beauty of it. It's you're always kept on your toes. So even with wedding ceremonies being, you know, generally formulaic. In terms of the structure, they never formulaic in the way they actually pan out because because the unknown can happen. Yeah, absolutely. everyone's yeah. different, and everyone yeah. reacts differently to to the. Stimulus. It's interesting you say about the creativity of you've got to have being an architect and the nerdness, as you say, yeah. because you've got to have. We spoke about this before. You've got to have a certain amount of that being a photographer. And we were saying before that everybody knows photographers that are real geeks and real nerds, but can't take a picture to save their lives. And then you get other people that are very artistic, creative, but don't know their way around the camera yeah. and you've, you've got to have that balance and that, that balance can be hard to strike and it's quite rare mm. that I think that's what makes a good photographer that you've got that balance because you've got to have both in some sort of balance haven't you you can't really have one without the other but you don't you don't want one too far without the other you've got to keep that in balance haven't you yeah i'm glad you touched on that actually it's kind of the philosophy behind my education as in the education i give to photographers okay yeah when it's launched so you're getting a little sneak sneak preview here. <laughs> it's it's going to be called the image triangle. Oh, wow. As opposed to the exposure triangle. Yeah, yeah. And the three points of the image triangle are technicality, concept, which is the creative bit, and emotion. Mm-hmm. And it balances in the same way that the exposure triangle. That's my belief. Mm. That's my, that's yeah, my yeah. philosophy. You know, if any of those three things are lacking or weak, it affects the entire image. So if the emotion's weak, the technicality and the concept really have to, you know, compensate in the same way that you compensate with the exposure triangle and any combination of those things. The the thing is with the image triangle, it comes from here and here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no settings on the camera that can obviously the technical settings, but it's it's how it's, you it's, perceive it's, it, it's how you process no. it, how you. It's just it's a really nice way of putting it. I'm glad you said it because being a filmmaker, I see so much stuff where technically it's brilliant. Yeah. People will t- 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 they'll take something they've shot and it's probably exposed fantastically, yeah. and they'll say, "Look at this." And yeah, but but what is it? It's it, it probably is, but that that's going to appeal to three or four people. Yes. You know, is what am I looking at? You know, you have to have that creativity. If that, like you say, if that's missing, yeah. it, it's all it's all for nothing, isn't it? Like you say, a beautiful building can be like that. It can be technically brilliant, but if, if it hasn't got the beauty of a St Paul's, it's my favourite building in the world, by the way. If it hasn't got that sort of beauty to it. It's all for nothing. Yeah, indeed, indeed. one thing that really bugs me about St Paul's. What's that? Um, Not the missing, is it the missing clock or something? No. Where's, where's the, what's the, what is no, it? No, it's the way it's lit. Yeah, whoever, yeah, you're whoever, right, Whoever yeah. set that up has a lot to answer for. It's not symmetrical. <laughs> and especially if, you, yeah. if, if you're uh, photographing it like a lot of people do from the um, Millennium Bridge. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half of it's underexposed. And when, when you look at it, half of it's overexposed, half of it's really underexposed. It's, a, yeah. it's such a pain. Do you know it what is. I'm talking well, about? You know, you, know, you, know, you know, yeah, you know a lot of it was, was all the, all the 60s when they built around it after the war. Yeah. 
was criminal because you can't see. The oh, only way God. you can really see it is if you come up like a hill, isn't it? Yeah. That's the only way you can really view yeah. it. The view from Millennium Bridge is stunning as well mm. during the day. And in the, I love London at night when everything illuminates. I, I just, I love night photography. I love doing portraits in the dark, not in the dark, but at night. <laughs> Um, because, because, well, it's because you can control the lighting yeah. and you can create the mood you want, particularly in a cityscape, because everything lights up and you don't have to worry about that. You expose for that. You know, hopefully there's some drama in the sky, some clouds being lit up by the light pollution and stuff. It just adds a bit of drama. And then you can control the lighting on your subjects and create this beautiful dramatic scene. And I, I use a lot of movies for my inspiration when it comes to kind of nighttime photography. And yeah, St. Paul's during the day, because you don't have that issue with the off-balance lighting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, you know, from a distance, particularly from high up. One of my favorite bars in London is at the top of the Sea Containers building. I don't know if you know it. Yeah, I know Sea Containers, yeah, yeah. Yeah, at the top of that, there's a really awesome bar. Yeah, yeah, I know it, yeah. And the view from there is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's I mean, great, yeah. What you can see is just insane. So, uh, yeah, St. Paul's is beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen St Paul's when if you go up Ludgate Hill and there's a storm coming if there's like a black sky behind it when the sun hits it it's like it's sitting yeah. there like, it's like there's no weight to it it's astonishing no. yeah, absolutely incredible yeah I know what you mean it just sort of it sort of comes out of nowhere doesn't yeah. it so it's very very imposing when you're um, approaching it from the distance yeah it's my afraid I've never yeah. been, I've never actually been inside it though criminally have you not it's worth no. going it's, in it's, well, well, it? everything opens up again oh yeah absolutely yeah. that's amazing Absolutely stunning inside. What's your um? What's your camera gear, Sanjay? Well, I'm a I'm a Canon man. Oh yeah. So I'm a Canon ambassador for Europe, Middle East, and Africa. Oh wow. So it's it's a big region. Uh, I've always been a Canon man, actually, since mm. I was a kid. My first camera was my my dad's A1, which I still have. Yeah, I yep. remember them. Yeah. Yeah, I use the one series, so the one DXs. Okay. Yep. Although there's some exciting stuff coming from Canon. Mm. everyone's seen the announcement for the r5 and you know lenses and stuff like that so uh yeah ex- very exciting time that, that's you know, what i love about this industry though that's everything that you know that comes out it is it just gets exciting every time yeah. and and i say it i say it in talks and stuff as well you know as consumers we're just so blimmin spoiled yes with what's coming out yeah and, absolutely and the thing is technology you know digital camera technology is matured so much to the stage now that um, you know there's no risks when it comes to digital photography not really love using pro photo lighting uh, I've used pro photo lights for probably about 10 years uh, I love continuous lights because I love movies yeah and I'm really inspired by movie sets and movie movie set design and movie lighting design I use l- continuous lights as much as I can obviously if I'm doing stuff in the daylight, bright days like today, it's got to be flash. But indoors, late, late in the day, early evening, nighttime, continuous like all the way. And those beautiful, so. nice, warm colours that you'll be looking for at that time of day as well. Or, or yeah, blue, absolutely, maybe. absolutely. But I mean, even even at night when you lose all the warm colours, mm. uh, you just get so much control because yep. you know LED lighting is is it just makes lighting so accessible. When I when I first started with continuous lighting, I was using. Do you remember the Lowell ID lights? The it had oh. a, you know what I'm talking about? It had a gigantic yep. lead acid battery. Yes. And it basically had a car headlight bulb inside of this. <laughs> and you could cook head. an egg on them. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was always really warm light. And you know, you obviously when you dimmed it, it just became more and more orange. The battery wouldn't last very long because those halogen bulbs just sat power. And now with LED lighting, you know, you get 
a lot more purity in the light, high, you know, higher CRI lights. And when you dim them, technically, you know, if you get yeah. a decent quality one, the, the light quality and the characteristics don't change. So it gives you so much control. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, and you're able to actually generate a lot of light output from LEDs now with very little power consumption, which is amazing. So I've got these really big Fresnel LEDs by a company called Lupalux. It's an Italian company. I've been using them for probably about eight years i've got three three of these heads <clears throat> three of these heads and they put out the equivalent of a thousand watts wow you know they come with barn doors so you can gel them and that sort of thing so it means that you know at receptions or weddings you know if it's winter wedding or something like that i just have a big head on a big stand the v-lock clamped to the back of it and i can just move them around i don't have to worry about cables and all this kind of nonsense it's just yeah it gives me so much control yeah, I'm not not a fan of cables. I mean, you you obviously love your color so much, there, and you're also um, an X-Rite Colorati as well, aren't you? Yes, fellow Colorati. Yes. Yeah, yes. absolutely. X-Rite Colorati have been for I think five years now. Hmm. Color management is a huge part of what we do as Colorati. Isn't absolutely. It? You know, yeah. It's from it's from capture all the way to print. So I'm also an ambassador for ISO um, because that sits right in the middle of the workflow. You know, managing colors from capture by uh, taking a picture of the color checker passport. If you're not seeing one, it's just yeah. a little thing about about that big with a, with a color target on it. And it's got a bunch of different squares. And you take a picture of that in your lighting environment. You use that to create a profile for that camera. And the idea is that if you shoot, so I shoot with two cameras on me the whole time. So, I, you know, I have holsters and I use two 1DX Mark IIs. Even though they're identical cameras, every camera Every individual camera will produce a different result, even if it's the same model. Mm -hmm. And it's just because of the the, mm. the technical variance that you get between electronic components. Build the lifespan of certain components might change from time to time during the life cycle of a of a camera, uh, and that creates little differences. So even if you've got two one DXs or whatever cameras you use, you take a picture of the same thing with the same settings it'll look different on the screen because maybe the screens are from different manufacturers. That never occurred it's, to me at all, actually, what you're saying there, going full nerd mm, about the yeah. about the drift of the components. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I never, yeah. When I play guitar myself, and you can get that with guitar amplifiers, you get a slight drift yeah. of things, yeah. But That's I never right. thought about That's that right. with modern stuff. Yeah, it's true. But it's just because the manufacturer's constantly finding more efficient ways of doing things. Yeah. And, and it you know, just because it's different doesn't mean it's worse. It might yeah. be different but better but it's just not the same as it was before yeah uh, and you have to take that variance yeah. out so the idea is to take a picture of this passport for both cameras in the same location create a profile for it open it up in lightroom and then when you're processing those images you've got to make sure you apply the camera profile that's created from that and you'll see the color shift it's it's unbelievable how much it actually moves because and what, what's interesting with that is you you don't actually realize how bad it yeah, is until exactly. you actually do yeah. that correction. Yeah, You're like, oh, my God. Unbelievable. But then the main thing is when you're looking at images side by side from different camera bodies, so, you know, my wife will be using 1DX, my assistants will be using 1DX, and all those images are in the same catalog. When you apply the camera profiles, it equalizes the variance, so you start to get more consistency. And then you process the image. Mm. Sure. Right. So, but then you process it on a color managed screen like the ISOs. They're, they're budget geeks, actually. ISO. Yeah. You know, when, when you get yeah. a, when you get a screen from ISO, they give you a chart and it it measures the uniformity across the monitor at the point of packing. Oh, so as soon yeah. as you open the box, at the point yeah. Of packing. Brilliant. It's on the I had um I had the BenQ the new uh, thirty two inch yeah. one here to have a play with for a few weeks. And that had that when you open the box and it's got that lovely document and stuff and it's just yeah. insane exactly. what. 
do you know, if you use a good monitor, you will improve your retouching no matter how little or, or, or a lot of retouching you do. It'll just go through the roof. And also your print quality will go up and you don't yeah, realize the retouching, that is though, until you use it. It's the raw processing. So I shoot everything in raw. Oh, 100%. It's raw processing because you're yep. extracting the best you can before you even take it into Photoshop yep. to do the retouching. No, but you're absolutely right because you see so much finer detail, particularly in the shadows and the highlights. You know, cheaper monitors, you'll get banding across a tonal gradation, whereas on a good monitor, you'll see a smooth gradation. So when you're retouching in those areas, you don't create, yeah, you don't create artifacts, as well. which is really important, which will, which will really show in a print. And if you don't see it on the screen, you'll see it when it's printed and you'll be hunting for it, thinking what the hell's going on. Mm. You know, if you get all of that process right to begin with, then theoretically, you know, you don't need to calibrate when you actually do the print, but you could go a couple yeah. of steps further and do what our fellow Colorado Rocco Ancora does, and he creates custom profiles for mm. himself. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he he's geek to the nth power. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it, it, you know, it, this, this, is, this is moderate geekness uh, yeah, compared to Rocco. And, and um, Rocco, like you say, takes it yeah, to another level. Yeah, really is. <laughs> it's fantastic. Um, I had a question come in from Chris from Bude. His question to you was, who's the real boss of the business? Oh, God, it's the wife. Is it? <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. Is it the wife? Yeah, yeah, or is absolutely. it yourself? And are I'm, there any conflicts and creative in, difference? I'm very happy for it to be that way around because, because – <laughs> She'll she'll run the business. She'll organise my life and my day. And yeah. you know, I kind of I kind of joke when I say this, but pretty close to reality. I basically wake up and she tells me what I need to get done that day. I don't even think about it, you know. Yeah. So my 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 time is planned out for me, which is pretty cool. Uh, when it comes to the creative stuff, I, I'm generally kind of let off the leash and I, I I do my thing. But the cool thing is that she'll step in with ideas and suggestions and an alternate point of view, which is really important. I, I did an article in Rangefinder around the time of WPPI about alternate points of view. You know, when you when you set up a, a shot or whatever it is, or if you're working with your partner, your, you know, your life partner or assistants or whatever it is, get them just to be in a different place and look at what you're looking at from a different place. But also just to remind you to look at what you're looking at. Okay, and I know how that sounds. I know how that sounds, but it's really important to look at what you're looking at because you mm. get so sucked into creating an idea and a concept that you forget to step back and try and see what other people might see because yeah. you're too busy trying to create what you see in your mind. So it's, it's important to have a little bit of detachment and then just kind of recalibrate your perception. So uh, yeah, having the, having the alternate point of view is really important. Yeah, because it's something that you'll go, you and you can get it uh, emotionally attached to an image, which you'll love and love and love. Always. And, and then uh, Roshni will come in and she'll go, hang on, have you seen this, this and this? And you go, oh, mm, yeah, all the yeah, time. right. All the time. Yeah. It's um, you know, sometimes it's embarrassing because sometimes, you know, Rosh or my <laughs> sister will, uh, my assistant will come back and t take a shot to show me how about you do it from there. And it's much better, mm. you know, but, and, but that's the beauty of concepts. And that's the thing about Absolutely. concepts. A concept is a start point. It's in, it's, um, it's a guide. It's kind of, the original, it's the original narrative of what you're trying to create and you have to oh. allow yourself to rewrite it and develop it. That was, oh, I'll just have to clock that when the narrative word was popped in there. It took a while, but we got it in there. But yeah, no, you're so right. And the, the beauty of that as well, it just shows how we continue to learn as photographers. And that's what I love about bouncing off other photographers and talking to other photographers about yeah. stuff. Because you you may pick up a little snippet or you'll pick up something massive and and 
something small to another photographer could be mean something huge to you yeah, and absolutely. the development and, and, and refinement. Mm. And I think that's so huge, you know, keeping ears open and stuff like that, especially in this time. This is a great time to learn stuff as well. It's funny you say that. I've been asked to do a little project for one of the brands, which I'll be posting some BTS stuff on social media, probably begin uh, some pre-production stuff at the end of this week. The content they've asked me to create, I can't say too much about it now, but it's, I was thinking about it in terms of content. It's the stuff that I'm used to doing on a day-to-day basis as a photographer, uh, as a, on a yeah. day-to-day basis at weddings or whatever it is. But then I, once I'd kind of listed that stuff out, I started thinking about it a little bit more and I, I started to get a bit irritated with myself, actually, because I suddenly realized I was doing myself a disservice. There's a lot more I could do, a lot more I could talk about, a lot more I could demonstrate not just in my own armament, but also in what I can demonstrate for for these people in, in a day-to-day situation as well. And it's amazing how much you actually take for granted and forget, uh, you know, and it's so you end up going into autopilot and doing the things that you know and you do them over and over again. I'm not saying being repetitive, but you, you kind of use the same skills over and over again. Yeah, you get comfortable. You get, you get comfortable. You don't often get to sharpen certain other skills mm-hmm. on wedding days because you have to be performing at your best for your client. You know, there's very little time to do experimentation. So I tend to use pre-wedding shoots to experiment and come up with ideas and, you know, try new things and be a little bit more avant-garde, shall we say. When I say avant-garde, I don't mean avant-garde globally. I mean avant-garde within my own gamut of stuff that I tend to do. And it is important to kind of just remind yourself to try something, try something different and give yourself a kick in your complacency, you know? Mm, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Don't we all need that though? Even happens to all of us. Even when things get back to normal, people will slot. I know a lot of people will slot back to uh, yeah, normal. People will slot back to uh, how they were, or, or will try to slot back to how we were. Yeah. To keep that mode going of you know reassessing yourself of the way you go the whole way along, looking at what you're doing. Am I doing that? Oh, hang on, I could do that differently. Mm. And like you say, you you're getting frustrated as a great sort of example of how you know you want to burst that bubble and just try something and, and absolutely nail. It. I think that's the thing with create creativity as well we get frustrated when we don't nail it the way we want or the way we see it in our head and it's not translating and then suddenly oh man yeah i I mean i think it depends on the scenario if it's when you need to perform that's when it's really frustrating when you're actually out experimenting it's okay because you're kind of in the mindset that i'm going to try it and i'll see what happens and i'll take it a step further the next time i get to do it you know what, what was sort of frustrating me also was I know I should be spending time doing more creative stuff right now, but I also know that because I've spent my most of my career doing the creative stuff, the not so creative stuff, and the really dry, boring administrative stuff like websites and CRMs and all that kind of stuff have suffered. You know, they've been sacrificed, mm-hmm. and now is the time I've got to deal with that. What it what it means is I'm delaying the the creative process a little bit more, and and that was frustrating for me. However. The fact that I've been asked to produce these things gives me the opportunity to deal with that, which is quite cool. So I'm, I'm getting to balance it. I now need to kind of find the balance in my in my my daily structure to to fit in the stuff on my clients, the the evolution of the business and the evolution of myself, and fixing stuff around the house and doing the gardening and training and chilling out and watching Netflix. You know, that, enjoying life. Yeah, as, you know, I've, I've, yeah. oddly enough, I've, I've had less time to watch TV now than before mm. uh, and it's because all of these things have come to the surface but i don't know about you I, I i need to have a bit of sort of mindless tv time at the end of the day to wind down just going back to what we were talking about earlier on if, if i go to bed 
or my mind racing, I can't sleep. So I need to have some yeah. mindless TV time at the end of the day for my brain to kind of just sort of spool down a little bit. Um, well, it's like sometimes, you know, if you, you've been shooting a wedding and you come home, your mind is racing. Oh, God, yeah. You're, it's a thousand miles an hour. Yeah. You can't go to bed straight away. Yeah. It's just it's just the way it and is. It doesn't so. matter if I've got home at 2, 3 in the morning. I need to have a, you know, that spool down time. 100%. And it's like that now. It doesn't change. I mean, a, a couple of, well, four four or five of us are sort of mindlessly said, right, okay, let's, let's get together and uh, play the old game of Fortnite now and then. And it's just that giggle for an hour and just – that mindless unwind that's not TV or, or you could do Netflix or whatever. You know, I've never played it's something Fortnite. different. I've never, well, I've never it, it. We're, we're dads playing. It's hilarious. But the other thing you actually quite like is you like your whiskeys, don't yeah. you? I love my whiskeys. Yeah. Oh, mate, this is a dangerous conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going through my whiskeys at an alarming rate at the moment. Well, um, yeah, I think um, you're not the only one. I've got a little Japanese single malt that I'm tackling oh, at the moment. Oh, that's uh, yeah. I love Japanese. Yeah. I love the Japanese whiskey. Also, you know, with with all this going on, I mean, it's very easy to slip it. Oh, just have a have a little sneaky one tonight. Yeah, and, that's uh, usually the end of the night. It's like, oh, you know what? It's been mm, a tough day. I think I deserve one, mm, mm. Uh, a big one. And you end up. Matt, you end up Matt likes his whiskeys as well, don't do you, you, mate? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I'm a whiskey nut. Yeah, Lagavulin's mm. Lagavulin's my favourite. Really? Okay. Yeah, Lagavulin's nice. Love Lagavulin. Um, I, I I tend to be more of a Highlands. Yeah, some some of the Highland stuff's nice. Sort of. I, I get annoyed when people say they like. Uh, I said this to Ross when people say they love single malts and they dismiss blends. It's a really silly thing to do because some of some blends are some of the finest whiskies out there, and I think you don't really know your whiskey. They're also some of the worst. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they can be, but it's, it's like if you say you just like single malts, it's like saying you like red cars. They are so different, and there's some terrible, terrible yeah. single malts out there. And I go to Egypt no, no, a lot, and there's true. some single malt Egyptian whiskies which are horrible, and that's why they started yeah. blending them because the, the malts were so rough i think anybody that dismisses blends doesn't really know their whiskies there's, there's some beautiful blends out there i kind of stayed away from blends for a long time mm. because the ones i had were terrible mm. i only really got into blends when i discovered japanese whiskies yeah. because they did them so yeah. well when it comes to scotches uh, i tend to go for the single malts mm. because i just feel that they're so much better yeah yeah i think when, when this when this whole thing is lifted this whole lockdown thing a i'm going to go buy some whiskies so I can call my mates around and sit and have a have a session like we used to. Yeah. I think that's what everyone's missing too. Just that social get your mates around and have a laugh because it consists of Zoom socials at the moment, doesn't it? And that that's a bit blimmin' bonk. It's not the same. It's not the same. I mean beat. it's 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 better than nothing, isn't it? It's better than not it seeing is. it's better than not seeing your mates. And and I think this has actually brought people closer together, you know, and it's it's given people an excuse to not that people really need an excuse, but it's it's given people the the social excuse to get in touch with people they haven't spoken with for a while. Yeah. You know, because if it wasn't for lockdown and you called someone out of the out of the blue, they'd be like, "What do you want?" Yeah. You know, that that would be <laughs> that would be the mentality. But here it's like, oh. I think we should all you know get together, support each other. Togetherness is very important right now. You know, we've got to lift each other's spirits and just now, oddly enough. And it shouldn't be the way, but oddly enough, everyone's now very concerned about the welfare of their friends and family and hmm. you know, loved ones. Yeah, I, I, I find more that, of an effort uh, to get in touch with people, I think. I find that hard with uh, my, all my family, uh, obviously New Zealand, the New Zealand side of my family being yeah. so far away. And uh, to fly out there is very difficult at the moment. Okay. Even if I did fly out, I'd be, have to go into self-isolation for two weeks. But uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's just the way the world is and you have to accept it. So yeah. 
yeah, sort of man up on that. I was going to ask, ask you a little couple of sneaky questions as well, mate, okay. just uh, really. Bit. So in your career as a photographer, yes. tell me, tell us a, a pinch me moment, a, a moment that you've just gone, wow, I love my job. I can't believe I'm doing this. Is this really happening? It's happened probably quite a few times. And I think each time it happens, it's for a different reason because you, you get kind of desensitized to the first occurrence and then it has to be, you know, it has to become stronger each day. The stimulus has to become yeah. stronger each time. So the first time would have been when I was, it was at a wedding and everyone was particularly emotional and it was acceptable for me to be there to capture this. There was that, that was, that was more of a philosophical kind of, I love what we do because it's yeah. appreciated. I don't want to call it superficial because it's not, but it was just a very cool thing. It was uh, we, we get to do a lot of destination weddings, which is quite cool. And we, we got invited to shoot a wedding in Miami. The groom's from London, and we'd shot his brother's wedding a few years before. And we really, we just really got on to it. And he just said at the end of his brother's wedding, when I get married, because when I find my wife, uh, I'm, you guys are going to come shoot the wedding. I don't care about anything else or anyone else. You guys are going to come and photograph it. So anyway, a few years later, he calls up and he goes, we're going to Miami. And I said, cool, why? And he goes, because I'm getting married over there. I'm like, awesome, why Miami? She goes, he goes, it's because that's where my fiance is from. So they'd kind of met during the time in between and hit it off and got engaged and having the wedding out there, which was just amazing. And the family out there were just the loveliest people, incredibly well off, you know, beautiful, you know, lots of beautiful locations for different ceremonies and pre-parties and all that sort of stuff. We, I was talking about pre-wedding shoots earlier on. So we did the yeah. pre-wedding shoot on the bride's family yacht. As, as you, do. you do. And, uh, you know, they, they literally spoiled us rotten. It was unbelievable. Everything was, they just really appreciated what we did. They appreciated having us there. They made us feel like we were part of the family and it was no expense spared for, for the entire wedding for us. They just really spoiled us rotten. It was unbelievable. And at the end of it, at the end of the last day, everyone was exhausted. Uh, but at the end of it, the, the brother, uh, the bride's brother went to Roshni and said, I want you guys to photograph my birthday. I thought, okay, cool. You know, everyone knows us. We know everybody is going to be good fun. He basically said, it's at the end of this year. The wedding was in June that year. Mm -hmm. His birthday was in November that year. And uh, Roshni goes, no, I need to check my availability. He goes, no, no, I need you to be available. But ha whatever happens, you've got to be there to photograph the, wed uh, the, the birthday. I thought, okay, fine. She checked the calendar and we were available. And he goes, good. The birthday is going to be in Turks and Caicos. I thought, okay. Um, yeah, I think I think, I think I could manage that. You know, it's you know, a tough life, but, but let's do this. So we, we planned this whole thing. In fact, his wife planned the whole thing. So the way the plan was this. She was going to invite 20 of his closest friends and their partners put them up all up in this amazing place called Amanyara. So if you get a chance, Google it. It's just stunning. And so they put everyone up, including us, in our own one of these villas for three nights. We decided that when we when we were going to go over there, we would fly to Miami first. We would just do like a family session with uh, with him and his, his wife and uh, two sons. And he's a petrol head. So I got to shoot with him in his supercars and all this kind of stuff, which is awesome. Awesome. Because I love cars. And we didn't, I haven't spoken about cars yet. We need to speak about cars. So we did all the stuff in Miami. And then we had our flights booked from Miami to Turks. On the last day, we were back on his yacht. He goes, so what are you guys doing now after this? And we said, we're going to Turks to shoot the actual birthday party. He goes, oh, right. Okay, I thought you guys came just to do this thing. And he goes, you know, we said to him, no, no, no. We're, we're there to shoot your birthday. And he goes, um, oh, okay, okay, that, that's fine. And, and Roshni, Roshni goes, because Roshni is very inquisitive. So she goes, why? What were you thinking? And he says, well, I thought maybe you could, uh, you know, take the crew and take the yacht and go to the Bahamas for two or three days and just have some rest time. So he was just going to let us use his yacht. 
and take wow. his crew and go to the Bahamas for three days. So we just sort of said, okay, next time we're coming, I will you know, rain check. You know, we'll take care from that. So he goes, okay, so how are you guys going to Turks and Caicos? So Roshni goes, well, your wife's booked the flights for us to go there tomorrow. So we're going to pack everything up and head over a day, day before and just coordinate with the planner and all that kind of stuff and just get things set up and ready to go because it was going to be a quite a full-on three days. And he goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I'm not having that. He goes, I'm, you're going to fly in my jet. So he flew us on his private jet from Miami to Turks and Caicos. So that was, a, you know, yeah. just imagine it. It was just unbelievable. I'm sitting there thinking, is this reality? You know, wow. and then you get to Turks and Caicos and it's another alternate reality. It's hmm. just really something else. And that is, you really are pinching yourself. Yeah, oh, completely. Absolutely amazing. That, you know, so we're, we're very grateful that we've got these amazing clients. We've got these amazing experiences and it helps to make, you know, beautiful images as well. Uh, mm. You know, but that's, that's not what makes the image. It just sets the context for yeah. an amazing narrative and concept. Yeah. Th- those, those are pinch me moments to end of the spectrum. I think you like, you're saying you like your cars. Matt's yeah. got a car that does like five miles to the gallon. Really? You, mate? What's that? Uh, no, it's about eight to the gallon. It's a Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> You hear yeah, it coming like a, 10 miles away. But I, although I haven't driven it for three weeks. You better go and turn to, it over. I need to start it. Yeah, I need to start yeah. it. Yeah. Take it around the blocks. Make sure it still goes. Well, because I've been growing up in New Zealand, I just grew up around sort of um, Southern Hemisphere muscle cars. Yeah. And I always re- remember a Valiant Charger that my mate's dad had. Two doors, red, and it was just, it was like something out of Jukes of Hazard. It was just, wow, you know, the sound of it was amazing. I can just remember getting in there. Gosh, we when I was about six, and yeah. it was just the best thing ever. Absolutely yeah. amazing. I was in LA after WPPI, and I was photographing this lady racing driver. She's actually a drag racer, and she has three Dodge Chargers. So she's got two Hellcats and one Demon. So we actually photographed one of the Hellcats, but the Demon was the one I was hoping to have out there for the shoot. We started in the evening one day, shot into the night until about three, four in the morning, because you know you shoot into the morning, there's no one around. You can get great control of lighting as well, but. The demon is something, I think her one's been tuned up and it's a little under a thousand BHP. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's got some snot. You know, she, I can't remember what a, what a quarter mile time is. She's this really petite girl in this crazy big overpowered muscle car, you know, that's got these gigantic sticky tires on them and you fire it up and it wakes up the neighborhood. Amazing machine. Gosh. Well, yeah, I mean, the life of the wedding photographer, eh? I mean, it's, just, uh, it's quite diverse there, Sanjay, got to be honest, but you know, you obviously spread outside, but the, the beauty of being a wedding photographer, you get that relationship with your clients and obviously you get that friendship relationship yeah absolutely with your clients as well and i think that's important and i I know every photographer's got a different way of doing things and some photographers they don't like to meet their clients necessarily and they just want to turn up on the day document it and then leave you know may not even necessarily say goodbye because that's just their approach that's absolutely fine you've got to do what works for you but we're a luxury brand we we're about an experience delivering an experience and it's the experience from the moment that the clients arrive here to the finished thing you know through the days the different days when they come to review their images which they come to our showroom to do it over here and we open a bottle of champagne and they sit there and look at it on the big screen to when we unveil the album so it's actually an unveiling that happens as well so you know, we're, we're delivering an experience as well as a high-end product. So mm. the, the relationship with the client is incredibly important to us. You know, it's, we, we have to be able to, we need them to trust us implicitly. But that comes 
naturally anyway because we spend so much time with the couple before the wedding and with the friends and family through the wedding process everyone gets to know us we become friends and quite often what ends up happening is that other friends or guests at the wedding come to me and Roshni and say oh how do you know the the, the couple you guys friends or something like that just because yeah. we get on with them so well you know we, we have banter with them we have you know uh, our way of communicating and it becomes very evident. And that in itself becomes a bit of a marketing tool as well. Because when people see the dynamic and the, the relationship that we have, you know, that it becomes it's very evident, it's very visible. And I, I think that that's aspiring for potential brides and grooms at the wedding. And they, they kind of feel like they want that too. You know, they, they want to have that relationship with their wedding suppliers because of all the wedding suppliers, we're the only ones that have long-term relationship leading up to the wedding, during the wedding, and after the wedding. No one else has that. None of the other suppliers have that. They don't need to. But we do because there's a process after the wedding and it's, it's a two-way process. So that rapport is incredibly important. Absolutely. Gosh. Um, so Sanjay, where can people look at your beautiful imagery and the best way to get in touch with you? Okay. If you want the stuff that's kind of being updated regularly, then it's our Instagram and Facebook. And our website is ijogia.com. And that's kind of like the shop front. And that's going through a big overhaul at the moment as everyone's web sh- websites. Yeah. Nearly said the wrong thing then. <laughs> websites <laughs> should be at the moment. We'll pop all those details down in the description as well. I, I only meet you at the start of this year, but every time I talk to you, it's an absolute pleasure. And, and we we'll always have a laugh and a blast. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's the main thing. Thank you so much, mate. Thanks for having and, me. Um, love to the family. Take care of yourselves, guys. Be safe. Brilliant. Cheers, Sanjay. See you soon.